friends. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis. I know last week I said that we are going to be doing a Reiki healing session and we do have that for you coming up on Thursday, but I had the angels bring a person into my life for you and they said that this message is more important for you to hear today. It is one of the most incredible stories that I have heard of resilience and strength coming from a person who at the age of 47 uh, received a pneumonia diagnosis was on a ventilator for nine weeks. And we're going to talk today about her healing process. Friends, again, we have that Reiki healing session for you on Thursday. And I just want to thank everybody so much. Thank you for continuing to support this podcast and to support my small business. You can still book a one-on-one session. You can join the Angel Reiki School online. The next class of the Angel Reiki School is going to be starting online on April 11th. So if you want to get registered for that, give me a call. Let me know. We also have the Angel Communication eCourse where you can learn how to communicate more with your angels. That course is already online and you can take it anytime. For details on all of this, just go over to my website, www.jancis.com. Thank you so much for your support. And please know that we are here to support you as much as possible throughout this entire collective consciousness awakening that we are experiencing right now. Because my friends, that is what this is. We are not just experiencing a collective global pandemic. We are experiencing and our souls are a part of this beautiful global collective awakening that is a part of this entire process right now. Okay, so here's the interview. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. We are here with a very special guest, Wendy Jonah. Wendy and I had a conversation last week, and I know that Spirit brought her into my life so that I could bring her into your life because she has a very important story that you need to hear right now. And that story, the angels are saying, is to bring hope into your life because Wendy experienced acute respiratory distress years ago uh, when she was 47. Is that right, Wendy? Yes, that's correct. And when she experienced these pneumonia-like symptoms, she was on a respirator for nine weeks before coming off of that respirator and healing for a long time afterwards. And while that was a healing journey that you are going to hear about today, the message of hope is that she was able to come through this. And my friends, the people who are in our lives who are going to be experiencing this, this is the message we want them to hear, a message of hope a message of you can heal. So Wendy, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, you are so welcome. I'm glad to be of help if I can. Yes. Oh, you definitely are. Thank you. So you experienced this and 
tell us first, what is acute respiratory distress? Um, my understanding, and I'm not a doctor or, or it's not a real scientific explanation, but your lungs become almost like the x-rays are, they're all, they're white. They're, my understanding is they get hard, your lungs, and you can't breathe. So that, that lack of breathing, and what's interesting about that is I, my body started to shut down um, or go into shock. And it was another day and a half before my ARDS or acute respiratory distress syndrome impacted my lungs. And I technically what they call it is I crashed. And at that point, fortunately, I was in the hospital. I was already in ICU. And they kind of expected that this was going to happen. So they acted very quickly. And so the medication I was given immediately was just to try it, you know, put me, it put me in a drug-induced coma. So I have very little memory of not being able to breathe, actually, but subconsciously, I've experienced in breathing tests where they restricted my breath, and it was like it all came back. And even though I consciously didn't experience it, it's still in my subconscious. So it was a panic feeling. How long ago was this? Twenty, About 21 years ago. Okay. So this was not the COVID-19 that we are uh, working our way through right now, but it was similar in that it was a pneumonia-like illness, right? Exactly. Okay. And I think that is what they're saying is COVID-19, if you have a severe case, it turns into this acute respiratory distress syndrome, syndrome and then requires you be put on a ventilator. So tell us your story of, you know, kind of, we know that it's different for what people are going to get, but you were saying that you you got sick and then it, it happened really fast. So you don't remember being on the ventilator or, or do you remember oh, that experience? I do remember at the end. So initially, once I was put on the the ventilator, I was actually put in a drug-induced coma for seven weeks. And they do that in order to keep your body quiet. There was no cure for the acute respiratory distress distress syndrome. Your body just has to heal itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they actually use paralytic drugs also twice because I was being, I was restless. So they want your body to be quiet and at peace and resting so it can heal. And it takes different lengths of time for different people. And so I was on, then I was awake, but still on the respirator for another um, seven, two or three weeks before they took me off the respirator and let me breathe on my own, which that alone was scary. (laughs) Yeah. So what was that like to be awake for those two or three weeks on the respirator? Um, it's kind of interesting because it was not what I would have expected given my personality, which to me said, when you're in a coma, you hear what's going on around you, whether you can remember that or not. It's in your subconscious because I woke up, I could not move, I could not speak, I could not move my fingers, nothing, and I didn't panic. I was restful. I was relaxed. But these were kind of the things that I feel helped was one, a lot of prayers from a lot of people. My room was kept calm, quiet. They played healing music. 
all of those things, I think, kept me kind of relaxed and not scared. I didn't wake up frightened. I didn't, I didn't know what happened. I had no idea what acute respiratory distress syndrome was, but it was, and then it was scary. It was scary, to, but it, it, I, I wasn't scared. But as I moved forward, I didn't want to change anything that was, was happening. I didn't want to come off, coming off the respirator was scary. Sitting up in bed, trying to get me up was very scary because I felt safe staying exactly where I was. So those are a lot of things I think that are happening subconsciously that were not, I mean, I couldn't explain it then. Sure. But it it took a lot of understanding from the doctors and patients to help me get past and get through the the whole experience until then. And I also then had to accept responsibility that it was up to me to get better. And it was only I could move this along and recover. And that just doesn't happen overnight. I mean, this is a process of us actually processing what's happening and finding that courage and that strength to move forward, right? So how long did that process take for you of, of getting to that point of realizing, okay, I have to fight here. I have to fight to come back. Probably was seven, eight, nine, about another month. took about four weeks. It just took a long time. It what seemed like a long time. I mean, it was probably, it took a week to get me to sit up on my own. I mean, with, with help, but, but actually sit up and sit in a chair and put me in a chair. Because when, you're, when, when, when you have been laying in bed for seven weeks, you lose all muscle. You can't move yourself. And it's, it's like you have to learn to walk again. Mm-hmm. Even talking, once they cap the trach, if they put a trach in, if you're on a ventilator long enough, then they put you on, they put a trach in, it's more comfortable. But when they cap it, you have to, your voice is hoarse. It's hard to talk. It's hard to swallow. Some people have trouble swallowing and eating after. It all takes a while to heal and um, recover. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like you just go on a ventilator for a week for example, you, you have a surgery. I've had surgeries, and actually that's a scary part is if I have to be put on a ventilator again. And I have, and I've come off easily. But the, you, you're put on for however long a surgery takes, and then you're taken off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like that. So it's actually it's breathing for your body until your lungs can function on their own. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we're seeing a lot right now in the news, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on to share this message with everybody listening, is that you're seeing so many reports in the news right now that are saying, the longer that you are on a respirator, the less likely your chances are of coming off. And while that may be true statistically, what the angels want, and God, for everybody listening, is to really hear and absorb Wendy's energy and story into their hearts, because nine weeks is a long time, and here you are, and you are healthy, and you're happy, and you did it. Yes, and it's it's just, it, each individual is different, and I don't think that giving someone a couple weeks on a respirator, on a ventilator, 
is enough for some people. It's all these things. There's a shortage of, of ventilators. There's too many people and they're not giving enough time. They're not giving them enough time to heal mm-hmm. and they need that time. And basically, I think one of the biggest things was prayer. And one of the things I did say as I recovered was that I have a lot of angels that were looking after me and and giving that healing energy to the patient. I actually had my doctor in ICU, who I'm still friends with today, is actually um, does healing, energy healing for breast cancer patients now. Mm. Um, And she's a pulmonologist. But she said she'd stand by my bed and will me to heal. Wow. So I think it's very powerful and made a huge difference. So I want to I do a prayer with you at the end where we pray for everybody uh, in the world who is fighting this, all of the medical professionals who are helping with this. But I want to do that at the end and continue on with your story because it didn't just stop there of getting off the ventilator. You had a long recovery process afterwards. And I remember talking to you the first time and you saying, Julie, I I tried tennis to really get my lung capacity back up to where it used to be. So could you talk to us about some of the things that you tried and maybe what was the process like? I mean, we all have good days and we have bad days as people are listening to this in the future and trying to recover themselves possibly what can they do on those bad days and what can they do in general to to really increase their lung capacity and to fully heal their lungs it's first i think one of the most important things is to understand and to really believe in your heart that you will recover and it's just going to you have to be patient it will happen and having that belief and attitude i think take someone a long way and to also, you know, self-care and, you know, be kind to yourself on those bad days. Take a day to just kind of relax. Family support is huge. Emotional, it's an emotional experience. It's a time for reflection. I was a 47-year-old active person, now on a walker, (laughs) barely able to make it from from a sofa chair to the bathroom on my own. I couldn't take a shower on my own. And it I couldn't even get upstairs to my bedroom at all for the first three weeks. But it's pushing. You have to push. You've got to do exercise. And it happens pretty quickly. It, it happened much quicker than I think I thought to get muscle back. And then it was doing 30, working my way slowly up to 30 minutes a day on an exercise bike. And that was my first step. I came out of the hospital with 45% of my lung capacity, which I thought was not very good, but the doctors and nurses thought it was great. So that's probably pretty normal after that experience. But I did get, I probably today, I'm guessing, have probably 85% of my lungs. But when you talk about playing tennis, I started after a year I took tennis lessons, and it took me about six months to have the nerve to play with other people, <laughs> but I did, and I then started playing and joined a league and was actually playing doubles, and for me, that was huge, one, after that experience, and having the lung capacity to play and run, 
And the other was when I was in college, I would sometimes play with my brother and I couldn't play then I'd run out of energy. I'd run out of stamina. Uh, And here I was so much older, but had worked my way up to, to play and get my lung capacity and able, you know, to a level where I could play and I could do what, you know, today I could do anything. I don't notice lack of lung capacity. So it's important. You do have to do that, though. I don't think it just comes. It won't. If you don't work at it, it's not going to get stronger. Yeah. And and I remember you saying, too, I mean, you worked your way up with tennis to where you felt like you were better than when you were younger. Yes, absolutely. That's incredible. Now, the other thing is um, we were talking about, you know, your story and really just sharing this story with the world, but you've gone through other health scares as well. So was it after that that you got the breast cancer diagnosis? Yes, it was quite a bit after. Um, One of the other things that we didn't mention or talk about was cognitive ability. At first, I I definitely had problems with cognitive um, memory, short-term memory. And I think that's very common after spending two months in ICU. However, after it took me three years of recovering to go back to work. And I didn't know if I could. I didn't know if I'm a CPA. I didn't know if I had the mental capacity or remember to do the job I used to do. How long did you say? Three years. Okay. And, and I did. It was like riding a bike. It all came back. I was fine. I resumed working. Did it come back slowly? Um, no. By after three years, once I got to work, um, it was pretty quick. It was just a, within a few weeks, I felt very comfortable. Okay. But I didn't know unless I tried. <laughs> right. And so how many years was it after that? Um, 1998. I had ARDS and I had breast cancer in 2005. So uh, six, seven, like seven years later. I had breast cancer. Three years. Let's go back to that for a second. So three years to go back to work. Was that just to regain the cognitive or was that you feeling physically healthy and ready to go back? Both. Okay. Both, yes. Yeah. I I didn't know if I'd be able to return to work. Mm. Um, And that point, I, I felt that I was ready. One of the other questions that the angels are saying to ask so that people have this information, um, we've touched on prayer, which is so meaningful and so impactful, but what other ways can caregivers or, you know, like how were people there for you and what can, because there's going to be so many people caregiving for other people who are going through this. I'm sure there's, there's a lot of need for patience, but what can people do as caregivers? Keep the environment positive. Don't let people, even if someone is in a coma, like I was, drug-induced or just go into a coma, medical coma, you can hear. I have very vivid memory. Um, it, It was like dreams, but they're very vivid. And I can even explain them today. And it was hearing exactly what was being said in my room, but putting it in a different context. Like I felt I was being wheeled out of an airplane hmm. coming back from a trip. And I was really being wheeled on a, on a bed to get the trach taken out. 
Yeah. Or, or put the trach in. I'm sorry. I can connect those dreams to what was going on in my room. So it's very important to keep that environment positive, comforting. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was so important, and I don't know if can, if it's even possible in today's environment and what's going on with COVID-19, but it was putting pictures of me up on the wall and of my family, important for me, but had an impact on the medical staff. Later, I learned that by seeing me when I was healthy and you know vibrant, they started to look at me as an individual and not as a, uh, just a patient. Uh-huh. And that made a difference for them because I think they're trained to not connect with the patient or the individual. And that's how they have to deal with what they do. Mm-hmm. But there was a connection because one of my doctors, as I was waking up, came and, and said, you came and she showed, uh, you know, you came so close to not making it. I didn't think you would. And she started crying and I thought she's an ICU doctor. (laughs) Wow. And so that's when I learned that those are little things and having people around. And that's what's a little scary to me right now is that your family can't be with you, Mm -hmm. but maybe they can be with you in thought and prayer. Well, I wonder if it would be impactful too, if somebody is in a medical induced coma to even have that call, you know, so that the nurses maybe can turn on that cell phone in the room. And even if that person isn't conscious and you're saying that they're still hearing, just hearing a loved one's voice. Oh, that, that is a a great idea. Yeah, because let me tell you, distance energy, energy isn't bound by time or space. So energy flows through everything. And for everybody listening, it doesn't matter if you are physically in the room of the person uh, you love. It doesn't matter if you're at the hospital. You can send your energy to them by feeling the energy from your heart chakra. You can even feel energy coming in through the crown of your head, through your hands, through the palms of your hands, and see yourself directing the white light, pure love energy of God to the person who is sick and sending them that energy through you as the channel to help them get better. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And I think we also have social media, which I think can help bring more prayer, you know, gathering people together to intensify that energy. I I think that's important too. I didn't have that when I had it when I was sick. But my husband did send out emails like almost every night. And that led to other people. And even I used to work at another company and they um, at staff meetings, they would say prayers and give updates. And I think all of that was so, so important. Yes. So let's continue on with your story too, because you did not just fight this. You are amazing, amazing, miraculous story of having then been diagnosed with breast cancer. You worked it out of your system and then it came back a second time. And your resilience, your strength within your energy is just so beautiful, Wendy. And I'd love it if you wouldn't mind sharing this story with our listeners 
listeners because I want them to hear just the resilience of the story itself. Thank you. It was all a learning experience (laughs) and just things kind of came to me maybe because they were supposed to come to me. But I, um, when I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, it's in my bones. I, I really thought I had like two and a half years to live as far as, you know, what I could find on the internet and what the average lifespan is. But I very shortly after diagnosis read a book called Radical Remission. And there are common threads of people who survive who survive all kinds of cancer, maybe being sent home to hospice to die, but then recover. And one of the biggest takeaways for me was spirituality. And I didn't quite know what that meant when I read it. So then I started a process of discovering what that meant and learn meditation and learn prayer, energy healing, acupuncture, and I do them all. And I also changed my lifestyle, my eating, exercise, self-care, elimination of stress, all of those things. And I think they have all worked. <laughs> and the can- my cancer has not spread. It is, it's a little smaller than it was a tumor. Um, it's still there. They say it won't go away. It's not curable. But I feel better today than I felt 10 years ago. So I really believe I can live another 20 years. That's incredible. So each experience that you went through, Wendy, has taught you to slow down, how to tap more deeply within yourself. How have you maintained that for yourself? I, it was almost like this last um, diagnosis was okay, I, I'm a person who actually loves stress. I, I, it energizes me. I like it. But Obviously, my body does not like it. And so it was almost I felt like it was God's way of tapping me on the shoulder and saying, okay, you need another reminder to stop, slow down. And this last time I, I took the advice, I have slowed down. I pay much more attention to doing the things that bring me joy, um, enjoying my family, friends, exercising eating correctly, all of those things became a priority. The spirit's coming in and your angels are coming in saying that before all of these diagnoses, it was hard for you to put that attention on yourself or to stop and take care of yourself Mm -hmm. in that way. Yes, absolutely. How how did you work through that? Because I think it's something that so many of us face. How did you really learn that it's okay, you know, and to really accept that. How did you accept it and really surrender to it? It wasn't easy. It was very hard for me. It was, first step was retirement. And that was difficult. I loved my job. I still miss it. (laughs) But I knew, I, 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 and I attempted to continue to work after the diagnosis until I realized I, I couldn't. The stress was going to not allow me to, to survive. If I continued, it was, and then that took a long time. It, it, it was almost a feeling of I was a point person and overnight I became a, a pointless person. And that was difficult. It wasn't planned. I, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. 
And I actually just did a lot of reading. I, I went to a life coach and she kind of helped me make understand that it was a journey. I didn't have to figure it out tomorrow or the next day. I just, it's a journey and to, you know, try things. They might not work, try something else until I find a new routine that works for me. And once I accepted that it was a journey, I was okay. I, it still is a journey. <laughs> and now with this situation and um, being in the house and sheltered in place, it's another journey in finding a new normal. Um, and I'm much more comfortable with it today because, because of the experience I had. That's fascinating. You know, that's the second time somebody's repeated that phrase in that way to me today. Uh, I had a session with a woman who said, we have to figure out what we want our new normal to be. And I thought it was so interesting how she phrased that. We have to figure out what we want our new normal to be because that new normal could include all of the shoulds of society, right? It should be this or it should be that. And and yet what I find within my own life is I've had to look back and say, okay, no, I have a nine-year-old daughter who needs my help with schoolwork and I still have to be a wife and I have to maintain my home. And there's so many other things that need my attention. And while I want to just hop in and be able to be a caretaker for everybody, uh, I have to limit the amount of activities that I'm doing right now to my sessions and the podcast and the Angel Reiki School, because that's all I can have on my plate right now. And that's enough. But it's fascinating that we're all having to take a look at this, no matter what side of it we're on, we're all impacted in the way of what do we want our new normal to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's change. We don't always feel comfortable with the change. Um, and sometimes we just don't know what to do. You know, I, I've... I've found like my day goes by so quickly, but I'm not accomplishing anything. And that doesn't feel comfortable. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's um, okay. Well, where did my day go? I can't figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but it's time we're spending doing things that we're not even realizing we're doing, like watching the news, things I didn't do before. But being patient with yourself and being kind to yourself that, okay, it's going to take a little bit a little experimenting. Um, I actually yesterday signed up for a couple online courses, things I'm interested in, and hopefully try to structure my day because that seems to work better for me. And kind of trying to take a step back and what does work, what was it in the past that worked well for you and what are you missing? Yeah. And how can you create that in a different way? Yeah. And not being scared of trial and error, right? I mean, we try something, it doesn't work. Okay, we try something else. Exactly. You can't be afraid. I can't say how many things I've tried and said, oh, nah, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. You know what else is coming to mind is um, this saying that my mom just channeled through a long time ago. I don't even think she would call it channeling, but she was in prayer and she wrote down one day, seek comfort in uncertainty. And my angels just showed me that and they connected it with light energy to everything that you went through. I mean, I, I think about where we are today as a collective consciousness of no one knows precisely what is going to happen in the future months. And yet 
you didn't know. I mean, you were in these tough situations where I, I can't imagine waking up in a hospital bed and being peaceful, but knowing that I have this long recovery ahead of me or getting that diagnosis and not knowing, you know, having that uncertainty. How did you find peace or comfort with uncertainty itself? That was hard because I, I, I like to know what's going to happen and I'm always in a hurry. And this was maybe a lesson I needed to learn <laughs> to be patient. It will happen, but I have to work at it. Um, it was really, there was a thought I had that was interesting as I was recovering in the hospital. It was realizing at, at one point that I have to do this myself. It's up to me for now on. I can't write a check and have someone do it for me. And that was a big message because I chose to work and have a career. So there were things I didn't have to do and I could pay someone else to do while I did what I wanted to do. And it was like, no, this is something you have to do. It's up to you. No one's going to help you from this point forward. Mm -hmm. So I felt like the medical, the nurses, the doctors helped me to that point. But if I wanted to go all the way, I had to do the work. Yeah. And and we have good days and bad days always, right? I think it's so funny because I think a lot of human beings think that they're bad or they're wrong for having down days, but truly everybody has ups and downs. It doesn't make us, it doesn't put any medical diagnosis on us. It's just the way that we function. So when you had ups and downs through that process of recovery, did you take more patience with yourself or did you treat yourself different on those down days? Yes. I allowed myself to have bad days. And I think one of the important things and all of the, the challenges that I have is that I accepted responsibility for them. An example is when I got breast cancer. Okay. I'm stressed. I, I had a lot of stress in my life. I don't really eat properly. I'm not exercising. I took responsibility for getting the disease. And I think that helps in recovering. I'm not blaming. I'm not, you know, saying, why me? It was me. And if this is the end of my life, okay, it's cut a little short, but I have had a great life. So I'm appreciative. I had gratitude. And I think that's how I treated it. I, I never treated it as a negative or angry or, you know, why is this happening to me? I don't want it. Of course, I don't want it. But just acceptance and a bad day is, okay, I'm going to rest today. And I still do that today. I'm really tired. So, okay, I'm not going to do my exercise for today. And that's okay. I'm feeling okay with that. Um, I think that's important. Um, you have to be kind to yourself and generous with yourself. Yeah, you really do. There are a lot of people who might within themselves have the initial gut reaction or maybe it's their egoic mind that brings it in of, yeah, but I didn't ask for, for this coronavirus or, you know, I, I didn't bring this into my life. What is a thought corrective way that they could choose to turn that around and not feel sorry for themselves, but really take ownership and and allow that ownership to thrust them forward into healing? I think it, the way I would approach it is 
um, for some reason, you know, I don't know how getting getting the virus, that's no fault of anybody, including yourself, <laughs> unless you go out and not, you know, follow the guidelines. But I, I would just think if I got the virus, I would just feel, okay, I would visualize a healthy person myself uh, as being healthy, meditate and take care and do the things in order to let my body heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the more that we do that and the more that we stay in positivity, like what spirit shows me is if you have this graph and this squiggly line where you have just little ups and downs every day. If you have little downs, it's easy to pick yourself back up. But what Spirit shows me is that when we attach to the negative thoughts and when we attach to the woe is me and why did this happen to me, it can take us down much, much further. And if we look at it like a big roller coaster dip or drop and having to come way back up high, that takes so much more work and so much more effort than choosing positivity. And I saw a quote, which I put on Instagram recently that said, staying positive doesn't mean you won't feel sad or lost. It just means you know the universe has your back and you're going to be okay. So we allow ourselves to have those down days, but not go so far down where it's so much harder and so much more work to pull ourselves back up and out. Yes, I love that. I love that quote. Yeah. Wendy, so you have been through so much and I'm just wondering, is there anything else that you want to talk about today? Any other tips for people who might be experiencing COVID-19 themselves or caregivers? Just to keep a positive attitude and you know, pray for them, send them positive energy. That's, I mean, I I don't know if there's even a cure for for this virus. It's just probably has to run its course. But by positive energy and good thoughts, I think it can go a long way. Um, One of the things I did do when I had radiation for the metastatic breast cancer I laid on that bed every time and just visualized that those zaps were just zapping. I could actually visualize it like like a Star Wars battle that the radiation rays were just zapping that cancer tumor and just I did that every time and I think that makes a difference. That's fantastic. Well, what I want to do right now is you're such a beautiful healer yourself too, Wendy. And I know that there's such big things coming in your life of just sharing your message more. So anytime you want to come on the podcast, you just let me know. But I'd love for us together to just say a prayer for everyone out there and really all of the people who are impacted by COVID-19, um, either having it themselves or caretaking for other people. Absolutely. I would love to. Dear God, we ask you to take all angels possible and surround every person who comes down with COVID-19. We ask you to surround them with angels who are going to help restore their strength, restore them to full health. God, we ask you to stream down your energy right now, stream down your pure white light, love, radiant energy to the entire world 
We can see it within our imaginations, that white light streaming to every person surrounding the entire world. We can see you putting angels next to each person who is sick. And also, God, please surround every medical professional, every person who works in a hospital, nurses, doctors, hospital staff and administrators, every single person working at a hospital. Please surround them with angels. Give them the strength, mind, body, and soul to help every single person that comes in. But God, also please give them the strength to care for themselves right now. Show them what they can do to keep themselves strong mentally, emotionally, physically. Give them the intuitive sense to know what to do to help themselves right now so that they can stay strong for the rest of us. And God, we just ask you to put angels with all of the caregivers as well. Everybody who is going to be going through an extensive recovery God, please put in our hearts what to do as caregivers for everyone that we're taking care of. Help us to come together as a collective consciousness to pray, to remember to play healing music, to remember to keep all of our vibrations positive for everyone around us at this time. I'm going to ask everyone to just add in their own prayer for a moment of silence right now. Okay, thank you everyone for praying with me. Wendy, thank you so very much for sharing your time with us. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you being here with us today and you sharing your story. You are just a miracle and um, you have so much strength and resilience. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yes, of course. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Friends, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We are looking for your angel stories. What are the angels coming through and showing you right now? What signs are they showing you throughout this time? I've heard from people talking about dreams that the other side is coming through and showing them through dreams that everything is going to be okay. We have stories of earth angels, people being angels to one another and helping here. I would love to share your story on the show. So please get in touch with us if you'd like to be on. Our winner of this month's drawing is Z Thomas. Z won a free reading with me because she left a five-star positive review of the podcast on iTunes, my Google business page, or our Facebook page. If you write a review, you are in a monthly drawing until you win to receive a free session as well. Thank you so much for your kind words. One more thing, friends, we are really looking at how can we best support you throughout this entire process. And if you have an idea, please reach out to the office. 
We're also talking about this over on our Facebook group, the Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe. We want to know from you, what is it that you need right now? What are you struggling with? What can we do to be there and support you with angel energy and energy healing? Whatever ideas you have, we'd love to hear them because we want to be your earth angel throughout this entire process right now too. Thank you again, friends, for being here. You know, I love you, your loved ones, God on the other side, your angels, they all love you so much. They are sending you their love right now. Please open up your heart to all of the unexpected blessings that they're bringing your way. Stay positive and know in your heart that everything is truly going to be okay. Even see it being better than ever. And I'll see you back here on Thursday for that Reiki energy healing session.